In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It's no secret that sometimes mere words seem to fail us. Sometimes we find that ordinary speech and language just don't cut it. They don't do what we need them to do. Sometimes we experience things that are so powerful that our emotions and the feelings we get just can't be captured with words alone. It's not necessarily that we can't say anything, but if we wish to express the fullness of what we feel, the fullness of being swept up in something incredible, ordinary ways of speaking sometimes just fall short. Take, for example, a young soldier returning home from deployment. He'd been separated from his family and his friends for months and months on end. Perhaps he would never return. But finally, he's, he arrives at the airport and his family sees him and the two rush together and greet each other as if the soldier had returned from the dead. And they are caught up and swept up in the emotion of that moment. How would you give full voice to what you feel in a moment like that using only ordinary language? Like you would in a casual conversation. How would you do that? Here's another example. How would you express all that you felt in those precious moments when your children were born and you looked on their little face for the very first time as they were placed into your arms. Dear friends, sometimes the things we experience are deserving of more than just our words. Sometimes we find that our words alone are insufficient. And humor me for the sake of the argument, if this is true for these examples I've just mentioned, then surely the same is true when we think on the mighty works of the Lord our God which he has done for us, when by the power of the Holy Spirit we come to know and believe in the Lord Jesus, that from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil, he has saved us. How can these things not gladden our hearts, O Christians? Is not the joy of salvation in Christ Jesus able to warm our hearts when even all the world around us is but a cold and bitter place. It certainly can, and indeed it does. But how do we express this joy when we come together here at church? How might we give shape and form to it all together as one here in the house of God? Well, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we lift up our voice and sing. As St. Paul bids us, we make music in our hearts to God. And with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, together with one voice, we sing. The name of this Sunday in the church year is Cantate. And that's exactly what it means. 
In all seriousness, it's very important that we sing. And along with being a worthy means of expressing our joy, there are many other reasons why we, that we sing when we come into church. In this homily, I mention only a few, but suffice it to say that music and hymns truly are powerful gifts God gives us, and they deepen our love for him and for our neighbors. In fact, next to God's word, Luther said that music deserves the highest praise. He said something these two have in common is that both scripture and music create a calm and joyful disposition, thus putting the devil to flight. For Luther, the devil is the spirit of sadness. The devil wants Christians to lose their faith, to be overcome by grief and despair of God's goodness towards them. Hence Luther's point that the word of God and music, especially when combined, are powerful to drive the devil away, for he cannot bear to hear God's praises sung and must surely leave soon upon hearing it. So take this wisdom from the great reformer and use it yourself in time of need. When you feel steeped in sadness and weighed down with sorrow, take up for yourself a little hymn and sing it out loud to God. Give your soul this medicine of God's word combined with song and you may just be amazed at how much better you feel when you do. But if nothing else, do it just to spite the devil and let that bring you gladness instead. I know it works for me. As you might gather from what I said before though, another thing music and God's word have in common is this. Both are powerful to move the human heart. For it is through our hearing that the word of God touches our emotions. It lays hold of our affections. Both in preaching and when God's word is read, we hear the living voice of the living God speaking to our whole person, even down to the depths of our very being. And the Holy Spirit works in and through the word we hear, creating in us faith and love for the Lord. Music, of course, is likewise experienced through our hearing. And music also lays hold of our affections quite powerfully. Thus, when God's word and music are joined, together they act as one. They combine to stimulate our hearts and minds toward love for God and for neighbor. And sometimes the effect within us and among us is simply otherworldly. In fact, Luther himself says in one place, it was not without reason that the fathers and prophets wanted nothing else associated as closely with the word of God as music. Therefore, we have so many hymns and psalms where the word and music join to move the listener's soul. Truly, music and theology are intimately connected in this way. They are married, as it were. 
And in our Old Testament lesson, we certainly see this in spades. In verses 5 and 6 of our text, especially if you take a look at it, we hear of God's people responding to him with praise. They rightly respond to his mighty deeds for them from the heart. In the day of salvation, they make music with joy. And they make known in all the earth the glory of what he's done. And dear friends, in the words of verse 2 of our text, the Lord is indeed our strength and our song, and he has become our salvation. Moses and the ancient Israelites first sang these words during the Exodus after they passed through the Red Sea waters. But now God in Christ Jesus is leading us on a new and far greater exodus through the waters of holy baptism. And likewise, how fitting it is for all of us here to lift up our voice and sing. For slavery in Egypt was bad, but you were sold into sin, which is worse. Freeing yourself from that bondage was entirely out of the question. But our Lord Jesus, in his mercy, has set you free by his blood. He has paid the price for your salvation and has called you into his service. He has called you to serve God and neighbor, to that cruciform love which is strangely perfect freedom. And so too, for the ancient Israelites, the, prof the prospect of suffering death in Egypt was horrific. They feared being separated from the land God had promised them. But you were once a child of wrath, because of sin and eternal separation from the Lord in the abyss was your future. But Christ through his cross has reconciled you to the Father and now prepares a place for you in his house. Yours shall be a new heaven and a new earth and perfect communion with God. And lastly, of course, life under Pharaoh's rule was crushing for God's people. But compared to that of the devil, Pharaoh amounts to very little. You were formerly under the cruel tyranny of the evil one. But Christ has come in the flesh and has crushed his head. He has trampled him down underfoot. And Jesus, through baptism, has rescued us from the devil and now rules over us in his kingdom of grace. Dear friends, now is the day of salvation, which Isaiah speaks of in our text. This is that day for rejoicing because of the greatness of the Lord our God. He is indeed our strength and our song, and he has become our salvation. How can we not but sing praises to the Lord our God? Truly he has done gloriously. Shout and sing for joy, cantate, faith Lutheran church, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Truly we have many reasons to sing loudly in church and to praise our triune God wherever we go. For we do so knowing music and hymns are gifts to us from our gracious Lord. And we do so because our Father is powerful to save us and has given us salvation 
in his Son. And to the same Jesus Christ is all honor and glory, both now and forevermore. Amen.